Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Limerick Spinners. I'm Luke Wollstenholm and as always I'm joined by Leo McGuinn over Zoom. How are you doing Leo? Hey Luke, um, I'm very well. Uh, it's been very, very sunny the last few days and it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, just basking in the sunlight, feeling like summer's coming, feeling of optimism. It's just been been truly truly special and you know what it's been very good for the old mental health i think the sun so um uh yeah uh, you know what? i'm doing very well how are you i'm very very glad to hear that yeah i mean i'm exactly the same to be honest i think i think that point you just raised about the sun and uh and the effect it has on mental health is huge it's always like an underrated um yeah part of uh you know brighter days i suppose as well as maybe getting a tan and um and you know be able to you know, go out more. It's, it actually does have a have a massive effect. I feel like more energetic. I think. I feel... Yeah, and and you um you saw Stephen Eskenazi. Uh, I did. I did. Well, look, I didn't want to brag, but yeah. I did see ex Middlesex captain Stephen Eskenazi, who now just bats at number three for them. Um, in Highbury Fields last night. Yeah, look, it was amazing. I turned over to my two of my housemates and said, oh my God, that's Stephen Askenazi over there. And they were like, I don't care. I literally don't care. I don't know who he is. Um, so I was like, okay, that was a bit lost on them. But you, but you found that exciting. I did, I did. Look, did you go over and have a chat to him or? I didn't. I, did, I bottled no. it. I bottled it very hard. Um, no. he, 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 um, in... he grew up in uh, Australia, didn't he? Aussie. I don't know. I thought I he was he, maybe I Zimbabwean. I think, I think he was born in South Africa. And then I'll bring it up here. Yeah, he was born in South Africa and grew up in in australia in perth okay um and, yeah and then little did he know that we'd be on hybrid fields together yeah man um, how many how many first class hundreds do you think he has um i reckon he's got 10 plus you know no it's six it's six <laughs> oh, um, oh, okay <laughs> in one of the editions of cricket captain i think it might have been cricket captain 2018 he got really good then always got pitched for england so um really so that's good well, he's never really been in, in the conversation in, in real life, which is a shame for Stephen. Um, but look, maybe we'll get him on the pod at some point. I'm sure he's looking for, for things to do uh, before the season. But look, that was exciting. If you're uh, if you're a bit of a badger, uh, such as me and Leo, that was really nice. Full Middlesex stash as well, um, which you just have to rate. Um, but yeah, let's get on to the cricket. That is not our segment on the cricket, in case people were wondering. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's a, it's a lovely little opener. But no, I want to talk about um, the game that is currently happening, actually, to to sort of segue into our overarching topic. But um, the West Indies playing Sri Lanka right now. And uh, the Windies have gone pretty well, haven't they? I don't know if you've been been keeping up to date with that game there, but um, they, they, they've, they've done really well. Yeah, I've been keeping up to date with it. The, the, it looks like a bit of a dead pitch, to be honest with you. Um, I mean... The Windies made, made an okay score, didn't they? 350-odd. Um, and then just looking at it now, Sri Lanka have scored 217 in 90 overs, which just doesn't happen anymore. Um, and they've kind of just dropped anchor a bit. I mean, Nisanka, who made that turn on debuts, going in a run rate, he scored 23, a, a strike rate of about 25. Um, and yeah, it kind of feels like Sri Lanka are playing at the moment not to lose um, rather than win, which, which is a bit of a shame. But um, but yeah, there's been some, there's still been some good cricket on both sides. Yeah, I think it's a real shame with Sri Lanka. I know we we had a, a small um, examination of the state of Sri Lankan cricket a few weeks ago, so I don't want to delve into that too much. But it just feels like, as you say, it's defensive cricket. They're relying on Saranga Lakmal at the age of 34 to to basically turn up on the bowling front. You know, he he's been excellent again. He, he took four for 94 in the first innings, but. 
it just feels like they really lack options, don't you think? They really lack, um, you know, three strike bowlers. And, you know, for batsmen, they rely on, what, Karuna Ratne, who's been in shocking form recently. Uh, Mendes, who's obviously doesn't even get in the side anymore. Um, and and Tiramani, you know, outside of that, Chandamal, I know Matthews isn't on the tour. Uh, sorry, I tell a lie. Dan, Dan and Jaya, um, De Silva is, is an excellent cricketer. But it, none of them are going to, they're, they're not setting the world alight. It feels like a lot of mediocre options, you know? Can I just say something about Saranga Lakmal quickly? Since, so since he's turned 31, um, his 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 record before that, he'd taken 102 test wickets at 43, which is awful uh, for a, a first choice seamer. Since then, he's taken 57 wickets at 23.83. So oh. since turning 31, basically a maybe less extreme or even more extreme version of Jimmy Anderson. He's just he's halved his average basically for the last three four years, which is incredibly impressive. But you're right. I mean, he's 34 and. When you say he's carrying the bowling attack, there's no one else even close to him. I mean, Embaldinia looks like a decent bowler and he very threatening in Sri Lankan conditions, looks a lot less threatening away from home, as you'd expect. Um, but yeah, look, the, the cupboard is very, very bare. And, and I did make this point last time when you said the the, the fact that they kept on persevering with Tiraman and, and, he, and he finally got some runs. And the fact is that was because there was no other options. It wasn't because they saw a superstar in them. It's because there was no other options. And at the moment, um, yeah, Sri Lankan cricket is not in a good place. And um, it seems they they seem to be constantly shooting themselves in the foot, Sri Lankan cricket, and they're not taking on board. If someone like Kumar Sangakkara is proposing certain things and Mahela Jawardner is, you know, agreeing with him. Listen to him. I mean, use those people. I mean, Kumar Sangakkara made a big proposal about revamping first-class cricket. Look, I'd listen to him about Eng- I'd listen to him about any cricket. He's one of the most intelligent cricketers <laughs> yeah, to ever yeah. play the great game. Yeah. And one of the best cricketers to ever play the game. So yeah, yeah. I, I just, uh, it feels like they shoot themselves in the foot. Um, they did it recently as well. Um, they hired Chimunda Vast, didn't they? And then fired him, mm, and, and then he didn't—he didn't take up the post. And it's just, yeah, it's been a quite a farcical few years. Um, and yeah, it just feels like they need something to steady the ship. Maybe, maybe like the West Indies did. They—they they kind of—I mean, they're still chaotic at times, and you know, <laughs> they're not. In, it's not like they're in great shapes, but a lot better than they were. And you know, on um, the holder, they've uh, you know kind of gained respectability. So it just feels like Sri Lanka need that. They just need to steady the ship and just have some sort of like base, if you like, and just less chaos and just, and just make some steps towards recovery. Yeah. I think, I think you're, uh, you're completely right. I mean, it's interesting because obviously we've, we've become so accustomed to a really strong Sri Lankan side, haven't we sort of growing up? Sri Lanka always competed. They won the world cup in 99, did they? Um, 96. 96, sorry, 96. Um, when uh, Aravinda De Silva obviously played that, you know, iconic innings, but, they, they're a tiny little country, you know. They're a tiny island off off the coast of India, and they just, I don't know, happened to produce led like these iconic players that that just did it for such a long period of time. You know, if you look at players like Jay Surya, like um, you know, the second half of Marvin Atapati's career, um, players before that like Ranatunga to Silva, and then you look at San, uh, Sangakkara, you look at Jay Wardner. Dilshan, these are players who are playing like 400 ODIs. You know, they're playing like 130, 140 test matches. Like, 
you know, they're not just burst on the scene. You know, a lot of English talent, you'd be looking at sort of a 70 test player doing a fantastic job, 200 ODIs doing a job. Sri Lanka just had this group that just were, were, were just there for like 15 years and performed at such a high level. So really, I, did they just overachieve? Did they just get lucky that they had this group of, of iconic players? And now actually, you know, this is this due to the population, this is sort of what was expected. Uh, they definitely need to manage their expectations. I mean, it's freakish that you're going to produce... I mean, even Sangakar and Jai Warden are together, you know, two blokes who in test cricket are just as good as anyone almost for the last 20 years. And then Sangakar in one day was just the absolute best for a long time. Um, so, yeah, look, you, you, of course you need to manage your expectations. And and once these guys retire, you, you have to realise that that's not the norm. You know, that's they, they had freakish um, levels of skill in that. But, but then also it shows that, Sri Lanka can produce those sort of players and the fact they produced you know it wasn't just one or two it was a, a whole crop of them um and I don't think where they're at now is good enough to be honest with you I don't think that's the norm I think they should they should be better than that look I'm not saying they, they need to be you know there was there was a time they were getting to World Cup finals regularly 2007 2011 they got to finals back to back um they were competing you know they went to I know they won that test series in England 2014 that was more about England being a shambles but you know they went to England 2011 when England were the best test side in the world um, and they lost the series one nil just due to one bad session. You know, they were they were competing with everyone in the world. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I'm not saying it has to get to that level. But, yeah, I think it, it needs to be better than what it is now. Um, I like Mickey Arthur. I do. But I think there's only so much he can do, you, you know, as a coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, uh, you know, there's only so much you can do as a coach. And I think there's so much politics in them. Um, in a you know board cricket boards and especially shrinking cricket boards so yeah i think something needs to change at a more um more basic level and a younger level for them to really start competing again on the international stage you're right i think it's foundations really um they have to Bit look at it. <laughs> good song my fingertips are holding on to the Sri Lankan foundation. Yeah, that, yeah, we'll do a cover eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was yeah, it was an interesting choice of words from Kate Nash back in the day, but but, <laughs> yeah. but I see it now. Um, but yeah, just moving on to, to obviously the other side involved in this West Indies, and this is what is segueing perfectly into the major topic we want to talk about, which is the poisoned chalice of captaincy, um, which obviously happens in every sport. But look, Jason Holder was the captain of the West Indies for the past few years of the test team. Um, and, you know, he was the premier all-rounder. He was, he's literally still ranked number one in the world. And we all remember the West Indies England series a couple of years ago where he hit 200 not out. Um, his bowling was just unplayable for about a year just you know <laughs> for a big man he was only bowling sort of low 80s um but just just on a length swinging away perfect sort of Glenn McGrath-esque consistency um and he was one of the best bowlers in the world I think he got up to number two or three in the world um but then obviously his form has dropped off so much over the past uh, year really um he's been he's been a shell of his former self um just because of the standards he set and obviously the captaincy was moved uh, over to to Craig Brathwaite opening the batting which I think was a sensible move personally I mean and it's it seemingly it seemingly paid off because Jason Holder got a five for in the last game against Sri Lanka and, and Craig Brathwaite has just hit 126 um you know nearly carrying his bat the whole way through the innings um what I mean what do you first off what do you think of the decision to move from Holder 
to Brathwaite for West Indies. Yeah, so I think we've got to reiterate, if people don't love cricket that much, just to reiterate, captaincy in cricket is so different to, mm. to other sports. It's not like just wearing an armband and being like the, the captain in, in football. Like, you're also a coach. You, you mm. make all the decisions. Test match, you're making all the decisions on the field, 90 overs a day. It's so consu- mentally draining and and time consuming and you know you've listened to captains talk about you know that's they can't focus on their batting or bowling because all they're thinking about is the captaincy and what will happen if they lose and all the flat they'll get um i always think test match i know there's been some freaks like graham smith who went on for ages and stuff i always think it, it really the, the lifespan of a test captain should only be three or four years to be honest with you i think it was the right decision um definitely i, I think think how much holder has had to since 2015 he's literally kind of had to carry the west indies and you know and, and it's so and yeah obviously his form was going to drop off eventually um and yeah to finally just be able to go back out and just you know play cricket and, and just focus on his bowling he's not thinking about oh god who am i bringing on next over who you know who's who's first change or whatever he's just thinking okay i'm hitting my line and length um and yeah, and I think that Craig Braffrey was the, the obvious. It wasn't going to be anyone else. He's, he's been um, vice captain for a while. Uh, and yeah, as you said, it looks like it's worked. Obviously, time will tell. Some captains start off really well and then the the burden kind of um, kind of bears down on them. But but yeah, I, I always think players shouldn't captain for too long. We saw with Cook at the end, he was just fried mentally. Like, he was gone. Um, and yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think it, there's a there's a finite lifespan with with captaincy and especially test match test match cricket yeah it's a really good point it's uh, it's a whole new ball game you're not just there to motivate your team um you're there to make decisions that will affect the game um every decision you make will affect the game and it is down to you ultimately as the captain you can have input from other players but it, but it's on you um so it's incredibly important but it is a poison chalice you're right um you know for every ricky ponting and graham smith there are so many failures um across the board and you know england have tried it many times when you when you give the captaincy to your best player and it just goes disastrously wrong i think of kevin peterson immediately um obviously with with regards to that but yeah captaincy in general across the board i think it, it seems like a much more attractive proposition than it turns out to be um and giving it to someone too young can destroy their confidence can um yeah, it can just can just completely change the way they see the game, and and I know we've spoken about this um, before coming on, but but the decision to give Rishabh Pant the captaincy uh, for Delhi in the IPL this season, I don't I don't think that's a great idea. Immediately, I get worried for a maverick like Pant who just relies solely on you go out and play, you go out and just play the game. Don't think about anything else. Just play the way you play. Suddenly there's that extra pressure. It's like, well, I'm the captain. I have to play the big knock. I have to stick around. I see that affecting his game. Uh, and, you know, it's not all, it's not only that as well. It's every post-match press conference, you're doing it. You're going to talk to them to Harsha Bogle, whoever at the end of every game, you're doing the toss, you know, so there's <laughs> so much more. And Richard Pant's 22. Is he, he's 22, isn't he? Or is he 23? He's 23. 23, right? That's ridiculously young. He's so young. Um, I, I think because it's it's 2020, they might get away with it. You know that there's there is less pressure than than a, than a test bowler. But but also the you know if he picks the wrong bowler in the in the 20th over, he'll get slammed for it. And yeah, I I, I think it's the wrong decision. I guess playing devil's advocate, the only argument you could say is 
Um, I mean, were there any other options? I know you could say Steve Smith, will he play every game? You could say Jinky Rahane. Do they want him to play every game? Maybe Shikadawan, he's pretty old. So I, I guess that's the argument against it. Ravi Ashwin as well, maybe. But So there are players there, but do they know, is there is there someone they know is going to play every game? And we saw it last year, didn't we, with Dinesh Kartik, you know? Um, he, he's a really good player, um, but the captaincy got too much for him and, and he handed it over to Owen Morgan, which everyone wanted him to do. And, it, yeah. and um, yeah, and so, it so yeah, really it'll be well. interesting to see how it goes with Richard Pant. But, but did they have options? Could they have given it to someone else? No. Well, I obviously think... they could have, but... Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think the point you raised about who's going to play every game guaranteed, you know, without injury would be Rishabh Pan. He's wicket keeper. I've always been a fan of captains being either a, an opener or number three um, out, out batting or, or a wicket keeper. I just feel like I, d- I don't like captaincy going to bowlers. I feel like bowlers have way too much to worry about anyway. Um, you know, in T20 cricket, you've literally got to worry that every ball won't get pumped for six by, by world-class batsmen. The, the last thing you want is to be setting fields at the same time and thinking about that. So, if you look, I mean, yeah, Shikadawan makes sense to me. He's very experienced, very, very experienced cricketer. He's played in, the, I think he must have played 140 plus IPL matches. He plays for India on the international circuit. Um, it makes sense to me. I just, I don't know. If you think of like a lot of maverick cricketers, um, you know, their, their, their brilliance just comes from not having to worry about that. You just say, you go and play. It's like Ian Botham, Freddie Flintoff. I'm just thinking of, you know, English examples close to home. Um, they don't work out. They don't work out ever because there's too much responsibility. You, you become constrained. So, yeah, I would I probably would have looked at Dawan personally. I would have looked at... What about Rahul. Sam Billings, eh? Captain's Kent. That would have maybe been the roguest decision of all time. I, 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 from the what? From the bench. Yeah, he's not going to get in the side. But Chris, Chris Wokes, come on, give him the captain uh, for the for the three games he plays. Yeah, yeah. Oh, c- can I ask you from a come personal? On, please, point please ask me. Yeah, you, you captained at a decent level. Um, I did. You I captained did. Once upon a time. Yep. Once upon a time. How did how did you find captaincy? Yeah, um, I mean, I I loved it. I really really loved it. Um, what type of captain were you? I was very much, <laughs> I was very much like a, 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 you know, talk constantly talking to um, the players. You know, there's it, I like you know talking to the bowler a lot. I'd usually be um, mid off, um, just purely because every ball you'd be talking to the bowler. What do you want? What are you thinking? Blah blah blah. Um, because I think it's really good to just have that sort of constant relationship. Uh, just understand what the bowler's thinking. Just understand what's going on. Um, and I, I used to open the batting as well, so it worked. It worked really, really well. Um, yeah, I loved it. I did it for county as well. I, just, I don't All know. right. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. Didn't ask about hey, that. Hey. Okay. Hey. Hey. The superstar we got here. Hey. Well, why don't Delhi call you up, fella? <laughs> That would be brilliant if you woke up tomorrow and on Twitter it was uh, Richard Pant's ca- captaincy has been rescinded and, yeah. and a, a little-known Cheshireite has been given the <laughs> has been given the uh, the Good role um, as a sort of non-batting, non-bowling fine leg to fine leg. Um, <laughs> yeah, cheers again. No, I don't know. Captaincy is is great in cricket. You know, you you actually influence in the game as you say. So um, thrive in it. But I do, I do worry for Richard Pant. I don't know. I just think he's so brilliant, and he's at this age now where he's he's genuine. He's he's. I don't know. He he he's a superstar, isn't he? He's one of the best players in the world. Do you really want to ruin that potentially? I, I mean, Donny took the captaincy, and it made him even better. And he was a maverick. So I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. 
Yeah, it will. I, I, yeah, I think the thing with, with Pant is you want him to play one way and one way only, to be honest. And and if this affects him, I'd, I'd be gutted as a neutral just because he's one of those, he's one of the very few players in the world who you're like, oh, Pant's in, I better watch it now because you know something's going to happen. Mm. Um, knowing, well, I say knowing as if I know him, but, but seeing what he's like, um, there's a good chance it won't change him at all because, you know, he plays, he plays his own way and he, he seems like a very headstrong guy for his age. Um, so yeah, only time will tell. As you said, look, it could make him, it could make him. Let's just hope it doesn't break him. Hey, there you go, Rishab. If you're listening, yeah. you stick to it, man. You're, you're the guy. You're Keep the guy. Going. Don't listen to the haters. You can do yeah. it. Um, but it'd be great. I know we're going to preview the IPL quite a lot in upcoming episodes because that starts next Friday, which is very exciting. Um, but I think we should just move on to a little bit of football chat. Um, I know for cricket, we've spoken about things slightly away from the mainstream, which is always very nice. Um, but yeah, for football, I do want to bring it back to our glorious country, England. Lighting. I know I know you're a, a big old nationalist. Um, yeah, massive. So yeah, what's going on with the under-21s? That has been disastrous. Well, uh, yeah, I think it kind of comes from both. I think there's two points i think firstly people always overrate our youngsters and, and we still do it and uh, you know what it is normal and i actually don't mind it's fine you know people are always going to do that because that's the, those are the players we see but saying that that side should should not be losing the games they're losing and um so yeah they they needed to win they somehow had a chance of still getting through despite losing their first two games they needed to win two nil today against croatia uh, and they lo- they won two one last minute last minute goal from Croatia to send them through instead. But yeah, look, I mean that side has has genuine quality. You know, I mean, but, but it's the team selection you look at. Like Curtis Jones is the best player on the pitch today. What, why did he not play a game until he's a guy who's starting regularly for Liverpool and under Jurgen Klopp? But Ad Bruthroy doesn't think he's good enough. Eberuche Eze is one of the most exciting players in the Premier League at times. He he didn't really play play too much until today. Um, so, yeah, look, I think it comes down a lot to A.D. Boothroyd and surely he can't have a job. I mean, the last tournament, England didn't win a game and the talent they had at the time was just incredible. Um, and, yeah, he'd lost. He hadn't won five games in a row at the under-21 championships. Um, and you look at a list of some of the players that they had during that time and it's it's almost criminal. Um yeah, the strange thing is I've seen a lot of people saying that the under-21s are a bit of an outlier. The rest of the, 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 the youth teams kind of play the same way and with the same sort of identity, but but the under-21s don't. And uh, yeah, I think A.D. Boothroyd, he got promoted from the under-19s job and he shouldn't have been there really. And uh, yeah, I think they'll be looking for um, a new under-21s manager pretty soon. But do you think clubs have sort of said we don't want players who are obviously a, a part of the first team to risk getting injured? in under-21s football? Do you think they've had that sort of input? Um, I don't think so. I know it's such a weird time to have it, isn't it? Because do they have the group stage in the March, but they had to because of circumstances or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I don't buy that. I think... I, I honestly think it's been really weird team selection. The fact that he's picked an almost different side today shows that he didn't trust himself and didn't know what he was doing particularly um and he's come out and he said oh the under 21's job is an impossible job yeah i don't know i think eddie boothroyd had one good season at watford ever and for some reason has this you know quite important job and and lots of teams and i quite like the model of national teams where the under 21's manager then goes on to manage the, the national team and it happened by accident with southgate um but yeah, it, it happens a lot. It happened with Spain with Lop de Guy, um, and and yeah, I think it's a good model. It makes sense to have 
all the all the national teams at all ages kind of lined aligned if you like um so yeah it'd be good if they got someone else in who was more aligned with that model and and could potentially take over the senior team one day i do find under 21s to be a bit odd though just purely because of that it's like an odd transition age between the first team and and the the youth groups um because you know a lot of the top players are going to be playing for england you should be in the, the main squad by by the time you're 2021 20, i know that changes for some people but but usually if you're not in you know in the in the first team squad by um by sort of 21 it's very hard to break in i mean i'm interested in how many uh, how many players from this current group of under 21s will go on to to play regularly for england i don't mean like one or two caps i mean like a regular um, England player. I mean, I can see Eze. Um, I think he's super talented, but but outside of that, I I don't see how many of these players are going to get in. So it's it's just an odd transition where it's like, yeah, we care obviously, but usually under 19s is when you really foster this talent that's going to jump up to the first team. Um, so yeah, I, I I've never quite. I don't know. I've never been that hyped up about under 21s. Um, I just feel like those are the sort of players that will probably be decent Premier League footballers, but I don't think they'll be playing international football. Yeah. And it's interesting because I mean, like South American countries don't have under 21s, they have under 20s. Um, and and in, in past years, you'd probably see better players um, for England because it wouldn't be clashing. So, I mean, like 2015, you had, you you know, Harry Kane went to, even though he'd already made his England debut and and you have that every few years, which I don't really get. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. It's a good point. I think under 21s is a weird kind of halfway house. And I think we put too much credence into it as I think people do in general, this under 21s, they, they put too much into it. Um, but saying that, I've been to an under 21s European Championship final in 2015 uh in Prague and it was um I've told you this before but it was Sweden Portugal and it was the worst game of football I've ever seen in my life so I mean on the 21s <laughs> maybe don't get but Bernardo Silva was playing um you know Lindelof so you know maybe maybe we do put too much too much into under 21 football yeah it's obviously still a shame that we've um I so badly. Um, I guess. So I mean, I I literally don't care at all. I won't lose a wink of sleep over it. I mean, can I just say to the first team? It's very yeah, disconcerting. It's gone, please just say. Very disconcerting how dark it is in your like. It wasn't this dark two minutes ago, and that I can literally not. I can see I your know, white know, t-shirt, and that's like what is going on. It's this so don't um, do that. Don't do it's that. called the uh, the sun setting. Um, it's a bizarre phenomenon. I don't know if you if you have it where you live. Um, uh, well, no, but, the sun's still up. I am. Well, really, yeah. Well, I'm um, you know back up north where there, there is no sun. Really, it's um, it's tough. But yeah, it is a bit disconcerting. Now you point it out, I, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's horrible. It I, I, I really apologise. I'm glad we're not. <laughs> face for radio that's what they say yeah. i'm glad you're not doing it on youtube because that would have been um that would have been terrible um but yes we always finish these episodes of course with a fun game and what is that game called oh well luke i'm glad you asked uh the game is called around the world in 80 plays um and basically i ask um luke a question from every continent uh, he's got a minute. We bumped up to a minute because he was so useless. A uh, question from every continent, um, and he's got a minute to answer them, essentially. Luke's record is 2 and 11, I believe. 
200. Yes, and I believe I won the last one, so I'm actually in form. You did. You're on a roll, mate. You're on a roll. Uh, you're on one in a row. Um, the slight problem is I've left my phone in the other room, so I don't have a timer. So. Uh, uh, well, I do. I do. So. Uh, so yeah. I get a minute now, yeah? Yeah. Here we go. But, but don't cheat, mate. Tell me when it, when it finishes. <laughs> Just keep it going until I get them right. Um, well, yes, in the words of Fabrizio. Romano, here we go. Are we, have we started? <laughs> no, no, no. I was sort of waiting for you to interact oh, in some you, way, but you, oh, you right, decided okay. to just Is that be how it mute. Works? Um, um, do you, right, I just presume start it as soon as I start my first question. Yeah, name a pro sports team from Washington State. Washington football team. No, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. What year did Argentina win gold uh, at the Olympics in basketball? <laughs> what? Uh, 1994. No, there was no Olympics that year. 98. No. Na- 92. More recent. 96. More 2000, recent. 2004, 2008. Yeah, correct, correct. After Drogba, which African footballer scored the most Premier League goals? Oh, Yakubu. No. Uh, Yaya Toro. No. Uh, but, oh, um, not Yakubu. I thought we got 100 goals. Um... Oh, he's throwing it. He's fluffy as well. I thought it was your cube. I think your time's nearly up, mate. Uh, No, still a minute to go. That's weird. Um, Chocolate. That's tough. tough. I really thought it was your cube. Oh, yeah, time's up. Time's Time's up. up. Um, It's Emmanuel Adebayor. Really? Yeah, 97 goals. Ah, what? So how many did the Yak get? 95. Oh, so I was oh, so close. Well, you were wrong. No, but... I'll finish it off. I'll finish it off for entertainment's okay. sake. Who's okay. the top run scorer at the 2015 World Cup? The top run scorer. Do you remember what continent we're on? Australasia. Guptil? Correct. Um, name a city in Asia that will host an F1 race this year. Shanghai. No. Beijing. No. Tokyo. No. Chennai. You're smashing this, mate. No. I don't like F1. Well, yeah, but you can still I just it. literally don't keep up to date with it. I don't know. Kabul. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're having the Afghanistan Grand Prix. Correct. Uh, you could have had Sakir, Singapore, Suzuka, Abu Dhabi, or Jeddah. Um, ah, Jedi. <laughs> last question. Who is the top try scorer in the 2021 Six Nations? The top try scorer? Mm, who was the top try scorer? Van der Merwe? Uh, yeah, correct. But you did Beautiful. pretty badly. I mean, look, F1 is not my forte. Um, well, you didn't. You were still no, finished no, no, by no, then. No. It was the F1 thing that really kind of threw me off. No, that was that was, that was was a tough one. I would never have guessed that if I got 97. I thought Arsenal... <laughs> I can't see you. It's <laughs> awful. Yeah, I mean, the sun setting has been uh, been a real real shame, hasn't it? Um, but really good questions as always. Um, and obviously, uh, we've not spoken about rugby too much today because we have we have spoken about it a lot with the. Six we haven't Nations talked about thing. it at all, actually. Um, no, we well, that, <laughs> I suppose that's correct. Yeah. Um, but yes, there'll be lots of cricket coming your way, um, and we'll be pre- previewing the IPL um, in the next couple of episodes uh, and obviously football returns to a normal form that isn't a load of rubbish as well which is always good fun but we'll be back in the next couple of days see ya